Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. I want to share the word with you this morning. You can pull your Bible out, and we're actually going to go to like a thousand scriptures this morning, uh, at least, probably more. Um, But I want to share just a simple message to you in celebration of Mother's Day. Um, My wife and I were talking last night, and she knows that I just don't like preparing Mother's Day and Father's Day messages, like these kind of holiday messages. I don't know why. I'm probably a bad person, but they just, they irritate me. I don't know what it is. I was like, I don't want to preach on Mother's Day. I want to preach about Jesus, you know? And then you start to think about things, and you start to think about mothers, and you start to think about what God created when he created mothers. And, uh, and you realize, hey, there's some really cool stuff in there. So, uh, so I want to share with you this morning uh, a, just a simple message for Mother's Day. Um, let's bow our heads in prayer as we get ready to approach the word. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your goodness, for your loving kindness, for your tender mercies. The Bible says they are better than life itself. Lord, we thank you that you don't judge us according to our sins, as the Bible says in the book of Psalms. But Lord, you judge us according to the righteousness of your son, that Jesus hung on the cross for us, and he absorbed and took upon himself our sin and our shame. He took upon himself stripes on his back so that we could be healed, so that we could sit here in our right minds this morning, so that we could have everything that we needed, all of the promises that you made to us. Lord, you said that they were in Christ. Amen and yes, Lord, that you had made everything we will ever need available to us. And so, Lord, as we come to the word this morning, we do so with, hu- with humility. We do so with hunger in our hearts. God, we ask you to show us something we've never seen before in the word. Take us, take us someplace we've never been before. Show us and reveal to us something that changes our lives, that stirs up our hearts, that causes us to grow and be stretched and be changed and transformed this morning. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory and the praise for it this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And let everybody say amen. Amen and amen. Let's go ahead and make our confession of faith that we like to make this morning as we get into the word. You'll see it on the screen. If you're watching online, you'll see it there as well. By the way, welcome to our online audience this morning. So good to see you. Thanks for being with us today. Let's declare this out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word, and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning, don't you? Amen. So I want to share, as I said, just a simple message with you today. The title of my message is so simple. It's, the title is Mother's Day. So it's a real, just real straightforward, okay? Um, but I want to share from my heart just in appreciation for the women who have shaped us and just have made us into the people that we've become. How many of you have a great mom? Amen. Hallelujah. We were watching, uh, my, my wife and I, were, our family was watching this movie yesterday, which turned out to be a very touching movie. It was very funny, but it was also very, I don't know, touching. And uh, I think I cried like seven or eight times while the movie was going. It was a cartoon for crying out loud. And, and, and they, they kept doing these flashbacks and all these like 
family things. And, 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 and the story was a lot about, uh, about a, a father and a daughter. And, uh, but they kept going flashbacks to when the kids were little and now the kids were grown and the parents are all like having these memories and I'm just sitting there going, oh God, <laughs> oh God, yeah. And I just, I looked, I looked over to my kids and I said to the girl, I said, y'all have no idea the amount of love and investment that has been made in your life. You'll have no idea how much, and I said to him, I said, you won't know until you have children what it is like and what it means to love a child. That's why I feel bad for everybody that doesn't have kids because I say, man, what a, what a joy it is and what a different perspective you get on who God is when you have kids. So I was real quick to tell them that and then to say, hey, you know, mommy and daddy, we love you and we've invested a lot in you. And um, as we consider mothers for Mother's Day, the, we have no idea how much our moms have invested in us. We have no idea how, how incredible uh, the sacrifice that they have made over the years so that we could, you know, so that we could move forward, so that we could advance. How many moms want things better for their kids than they had it for themselves, like all of them, Right. So we've got a lot to be thankful for this morning. Even if we had tumultuous relationships with our moms, even if we didn't have a great relationship with our mom, we've still got something to be thankful for. Yeah. Amen. George Washington is quoted as once having said, my mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute, this is powerful, I attribute success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education that I received from her. Isn't that cool? Most men don't talk like that, right? Most men don't wax poetic like that about their moms. George Washington was a heck of a guy. My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to her. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. It's powerful. I want to share with you today five attributes or five qualities of God, which I believe mothers represent better than anyone else. As I was, you know, as I said to you just a few minutes ago, I typically don't like writing sappy sermons, you know, it's just not in my wheelhouse. But uh, I figured this was a good way for me to still get some preach in there to talk about these qualities that God possesses and then link them to the fact that moms actually demonstrate that probably better than anybody else that I know. So there's five attributes or qualities of God which mothers represent better than anyone else. Now we understand, let me give this as a precursor, since it's 2021 and things can always be taken out of context and People can be offended easily. Let me just say this real quick as a disclaimer. We understand that God is our Father, right? Jesus was super clear about that. What did, he came, what did he come to reveal? He came to reveal the kingdom of God and reveal the fatherhood of God, right? What did he always call G, What did Jesus always call God? My Father. He didn't go out in the woods and, you know, and pray and say, my mother. He said, my Father, right? So, I'm not, when I talk about these God qualities that moms possess, I'm not in any way trying to take away from the fatherhood of God. What I want to do is, is, is to share these qualities that moms seem to express effortlessly and their qualities given to them by God, okay? So just to be clear, because 
There's a lot of people preaching a lot of weird stuff these days, and it's all over the internet. So just to draw a line in the sand so y'all know where I'm coming from, okay? Amen. So there's six things, or excuse me, five things that I want to talk to you about today. And the first one is the first quality or attribute of God that moms possess is that of a comforter. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write these notes down because they'll actually really bless you. The first scripture I want to read is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, guys in the back, just be ready because there's like, a, like I said, a billion scriptures here that we're going to read through this morning. And we'll go through them kind of quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. This is right at the beginning of Paul's letter. And he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and watch this, the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That scripture says comfort like 46 times. God is the God of all comfort. Say that with me. All comfort. All comfort. The best comfort comes from him. Amen? And it says that he comforts us in all of our tribulation, in all of our challenges. When you deal with a situation that's uncomfortable in life, God is there to bring comfort. Amen? The Spirit of God is there to bring comfort into your situation. He doesn't want you to go through the challenges of life uh, without any sense of comfort or peace, knowing that he's there. Amen? So he is the God of all comfort. And it goes on to say in that verse that we, having received his comfort, are now able to comfort those around us. Think about your mom for a second. I'll bet she did this really well. I'll bet she was able to comfort you really, really well. Mothers know how to comfort their children. Whether it's a warm blanket, whether it's a hug, whether it's your favorite food. My grandmother was super good at this. My mom is too. When I would get sick, she would come. One of the two of them would come and fix soup, this kind of soup, we, we call it Italian wedding soup, and it's just this most amazing chicken soup, and it's got these little tiny pastas in it, we call them pastina, and, and it was just so good, it just made you feel so good. Anybody have like a so good feeling that their mom would make them a dish that just comforted them? Y'all got comfort food in your life, right? Amen. Moms are so good at crafting comfort in our lives. And it probably looks different for every single person. For me, it was warm soup or some lasagna or, you know, something like that. I can remember a time, I can remember when I got chicken pox. Y'all remember when you got chicken pox, like in middle school? No? Claire has not had chicken pox, so she's shaking her head no. I got, I got chicken pox when I was a kid, and I had to stay home for like a week, you know? And I remember getting some chicken pox, and I actually got some in my throat, and it was like super itchy and super uncomfortable. And my mom comforted me so well. She took such good care of me. I laid out on the couch all week, laying on the couch, and she was bringing me milkshakes, chocolate milkshakes, just whipping them up in the, in the kitchen, bringing them to me. And I was watching Bill Cosby the whole week. I, I had Cosby and milkshakes, man. And that was comforting. Made my throat feel a lot better. Amen. I'm sure I probably milked it a little bit. 
as well. Amen. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for that strong amen. No, moms are comforters. God is a comforter. He doesn't. The Bible says he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. When you're in a moment of need or you're in a moment of challenge, God wants to take your moment of challenge or your moment of weakness and turn it into a moment of triumph. And one of the ways that he does that is he comes and he gets in the situation with you and he meets you where you're at and he lifts you. The Bible says he lifts us out of the miry clay. He lifts us out of our circumstances. He's not interested in just empathizing with you and, hey, man, it really stinks to be in that ditch. Sorry, I feel bad for you. God doesn't feel bad for you. He comforts you. Amen? He comes and gets in the mix with you and lifts you out of the problems that you face. He's a comforter. Look at Isaiah chapter 61. This is so good. Isaiah chapter 61. This is, this is where Jesus, by the way, Jesus quotes this passage from Isaiah in the book of Luke chapter 4. He talks about the spirit of the Lord being upon him, how God anointed him to preach the gospel of the poor and, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. You've heard me preach on this lots of times before. But look at what it says in verse 2. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Look at that last line. To comfort, how many? All. To comfort some who mourn. To comfort the ones that I really like? No. To comfort, to comfort the ones who did a real diligent job and never missed a, a day of prayer? To comfort those who have a perfect church attendance? No. To comfort all who mourn? Amen? Somebody say, I qualify. Amen? You're in, you're in the all. Let's keep reading. It says, to console those, verse 3, to console those who mourn. In Zion, light, you, may, you may go through a season of mourning in your life where healing needs to happen. There could have been a loss in your life. You could have gone through a challenging situation that left you beat up. I'm here to tell you, God wants to comfort you in your time of mourning. Watch what he does to those who mourn. He gives them beauty for ashes. What does that mean? Have you ever read that scripture or heard that statement used and wondered what the heck are they talking about? Beauty for ashes? I like think of a campfire. What does he mean when he says beauty for ashes? Well, in Hebrew culture, when someone would die or when sin happened, when they mourned and they grieved in Hebrew culture, they did two things. They put on sackcloth clothing, which was super uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever put worn sackcloth before, but it's, you know, Armani ain't got any sackcloth suits. It's not like a nice fabric, okay? But they put on sackcloth clothing, and they put ashes on their head, and the whole purpose was for them to bear the weight of whatever they were going through. So if it was mourning for a loss, or if like when Solomon sinned with Bathsheba, Y'all remember that situation? He went into the temple and he put, he put mourning clothes on. He put sackcloth and heaped ashes on himself. He made himself ugly. Why? So that he could, he could visually bear the weight and the judgment of the sin that he had taken part in. 
And the Bible says God, when he finds us in a season of mourning, doesn't want us to bear the weight of our own sin. He doesn't want us to carry the shame and the ugliness and the guilt of our lives. Instead, he meets us in the morning and he gives us beauty instead of the ashes. He takes the sackcloth off, he takes the ashes off, and he gives us robes of righteousness. And he anoints our head with oil and our cup runs over. Come on, somebody. How many of you are thankful that Jesus gives you comfort? Amen? He's the comforter. Number two, God is the encourager. He's an encourager. Ain't nobody cheering at your baseball game like mom. Ain't nobody encouraging you. Come on, baby, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You know what book my mom used to read me and my sister all the time? The most encouraging book in history, apart from the Bible, The Little Engine That Could. Amen. That was our favorite, it was one of our favorite books. And, and my dad didn't read that to us. My mom did. Okay? Dad read us other things, but mom was all about the little engine that could. I think I can, 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 I think I can. I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. Come on, we used to make a song out of it. I thought I could, I thought I could, I thought I could. Moms are encouragers, man. Well, how many of you know where they got that from? The Holy Ghost on the inside of them. God living on the inside of them. You know, God living in you will make you the biggest encourager that there is. Amen. Y'all remember a guy named Barnabas? He traveled with Paul, and they they got into some situations together, didn't they? Paul and Barnabas traveled and did ministry together. Y'all remember the story of when they got locked in the prison? They got thrown in the, in the inner prison, the Bible says. What did they do? They feel bad for themselves? Sit around and have a pity party? No, Barnabas and Saul looked at each other and said, hey man, let's get out of here. Let's start praising. They knew that their ticket out was to give God glory and to give God praise. They didn't thank God for the jail, but they weren't afraid to praise him in the jail. Come on, somebody. That's a tweet right there. You can just write that down and tweet it later. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'll even let you take the credit. Hallelujah. No, they got in the prison and they started to encourage themselves. Paul, uh, Barnabas's name means the son of encouragement. And I'm here to tell you, your mom's the greatest encourager you got in your life. Amen. It's true. Let me read. Uh-oh. My iPad turned off on me. Here we go. Let me read this. Joshua chapter 1. Tell me the Lord doesn't encourage you after you read this one. Joshua chapter 1, best book of the Bible. And the church said, amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of you will get that when you're brushing your teeth tonight. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Look at what God says. Be strong. Everybody say strong. Strong. Come on, weakness is not in the wheelhouse of the Christian. Amen? A couple amens on that. Weakness is not in the wheelhouse of the Christian. When you get saved, God did not download you with weakness. He didn't say, here's some faith, here's some grace, here's some anointing, here's some power, here's a little bit of weakness and a touch of sadness and a, you know, a dollop of this and a pinch of that. No, he doesn't, weakness is not in our wheelhouse. What did God say to Joshua? Be strong and of good courage. You know what it means to encourage someone? To put courage in someone. Amen? How do you encourage someone? You take the courage you got and put it in somebody else. 
When you come up against, uh, when you come up with to someone who's fighting a battle and they're struggling, what do you do? You come alongside them and you say, I think you can make this. I know that you've got it on the inside of you. You start to speak words of faith and words of life and you encourage, you put courage in to someone. God is the great encourager. Guess who else is encourager number two? Mom. Amen. Psalm 27, 14, look at this. Psalm 27, 14. I should have printed all these out to save time. Psalm 27, 14. This is powerful. Wait upon the Lord and what? Be of good courage. Why? Because he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. You see, with courage comes strength. There was times when my mother would speak a word into my life. There still are times when she may call me and say, son, I've been praying for you. Here's what the Lord said. And she speak a word, and that word brings with it an encouragement. And courage always comes with strength. Yeah. Amen. It's in the Bible. You can go read about it. Courage always comes with strength. They're always linked together. Be strong and of good courage. Wait upon the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. These two are interchanged in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful this morning, number one, for a God who speaks strength and speaks courage into my life, and number two, for a mom who speaks strength and speaks courage into my life. We celebrate moms because they're encouragers. Amen? Number three, moms are... And the Holy Spirit is a helper. Number one, mom's a comforter. Number two, mom's an encourager. Number three, mom's a helper. Yeah. Go to Psalm 54. So good. Psalm 54. Hope y'all are doing Y'all all right this morning? Yeah. Okay, good. You happy? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We used to listen to an old school West Virginia preacher named Steve Jones. He would start every single message with the words, is everybody happy? And then he would say, turn to somebody and tell them, Jesus makes me happy. And it sounds cool, except if you ever heard Steve Jones, he's in his late 60s, and he sounds like he's been eating rocks for breakfast every morning since he was a kid, because he would go, is everybody happy? <laughs> turn to somebody, tell them, Jesus makes me happy. <laughs> amen. We like it. You could be happy in church, amen. It's okay to be happy. Mom's a helper. Psalm 54, verse 4. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. Behold, God is my helper. Where does mom get it from? She gets it from God. Amen. One thing I've observed in my wife, I've observed in my mother-in-law, I've observed in my mom. And I've observed in a lot of other moms and my grandmother, they love to help. Yeah. You're not going to go, you're not going to do something in my mother's house and start doing it and she's not going to start coming helping you to do it. Not going to happen. We'll have, you know, her and my dad will come down uh, from New York and they'll stay with us at the house and I'll, it's, okay, it's time to make dinner and I like to do most of the cooking at our house. It's just something I really enjoy to do. So I'll go and get my cutting board and start cutting up. My mom will just wander into the kitchen. What do you need? What can I help you with? Can I cut something? No, sit down. No, I'm cooking for you. 
you cooked for me 20 years, and I'm going to cook for you. Yeah, but just let me, can I cut that carrot? No, sit down. Moms love to help. Well, they, you know, that's a trait of the Holy Spirit. Look at John chapter 14. This is so good. Man, if you get a hold of this promise, it will change the way you pray. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you give. It'll change your willingness to serve the Lord, all kinds of things. It'll, this, will, this truth right here that we're getting ready to read in John 14 will help you to make bold decisions when it's time to make decisions in your life. John 14, verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Who is this helper, Lord? Verse 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you, or excuse me, dwells with you, and he will be in you. See, if you, if you and I come to, to terms with the reality that the Holy Spirit is the best helper that we could ever have or ever will have, it will help us to make decisions. It will help us to be good on our job. It'll help us to be great parents, husbands, wives, kids, you name it. The Spirit of God living in you is here to help. Yeah. Amen. Look at verse 26 of the same chapter. Go down about 10 scriptures. Verse 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. You see, part of, well, hold on, let me, let me, let me finish this verse. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. How many of you could say that's totally true, not only of the Holy Spirit, but of your mother? How many could say you hear your mom's voice in your head when you're getting ready to do something dumb? Yeah? Or something good. I can't tell you how many times I've been getting ready to do something and hear the voice of my mom in my head. You see, this, in the same way, the Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance the word of God so that when it's time to make a real decision, a serious decision, like, like I'll give you an example, okay? Yesterday, me and Abigail went down to Hickory to go to the guitar center so I could buy some more stuff for that drum set because I was pretty pumped about it. We stopped at a great place called PDQ. If you've never eaten at PDQ, do yourself a favor and go to PDQ today. They had the best milkshake I've ever had in my life. Put it on record, ever. It was, I don't know what kind of magical unicorn tears that they put in that milkshake, but it was crazy good. As I'm getting ready to... (laughs) I'm ashamed to admit this. As I'm getting ready to order, my mother calls. And she's in California with my, my dad and my sister. My sister just graduated in California. And I'm like, I really need to talk to them. But if my mom hears me order a milkshake, I know what she's going to say. <laughs> Son, you don't need a milkshake. <laughs> mom, I'm going to be 40 in a couple years. Lay off, okay? How many of you know the voice of your mom in your head? Why? Because moms are helpers, and when they help, they also teach. 
It's part of what they do. When they, when they help, they teach. And what, is, what does the Holy Spirit do for you and for me? As he helps us, he does so by teaching us. And he, in his teaching, he brings back to remembrance and to our minds the words that we've heard. Come on. This is why you got to read your Bible so that the Holy Spirit's got something to work with when it's time to make decisions. Amen? That's another sermon for another time. Hallelujah. So moms are comforters, they're encouragers, they're helpers. Number four, they're defenders. Whoo! Don't get mom fired up about her kids now. You talk about the daintiest, sweetest little woman that wouldn't hurt a fly, but mess with her baby and see what happens. You know, grizzly bears attack people. There's a handful of attacks that come every year. And if you go out to a state like Montana or Alaska or, or someplace where there's brown bears and you go camping, they'll tell you, here's how you deal with the bears. Here's how you deal with a bear attack. You got to have this, this bear spray and all this kind of stuff. You know that the majority, the vast majority of bear attacks that happen, they don't happen from hungry male grizzly bears. They happen when a person accidentally gets in between mama grizzly and the baby grizzlies. And, you know, here we are, (laughs) you're just walking through the forest, and all of a sudden we unwittingly get in between the baby bear over there and the mama bear over there. You're dead. You're dead. Right? Why? Because moms are vicious defenders. They will go to battle. They will go to work for their baby. Guess who else is your defender? Come on, somebody. Guess who else is your defender? Guess who loves to fight your battles for you? Oh, it's not just something that he says. It's something that he actively wants to do in your life. It's to defend you. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Amen? Psalm chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12. Look at this. This is super good. Romans chapter 12. Starting to feel like Billy Graham up here this morning because I found this out. Billy Graham made a deal with God that he said, every time I get up to preach, I'll, I'll... I won't use less than 70 scriptures. He didn't turn to all of them because he was preaching a crusade, but he would quote them rapid fire. Go listen to Billy Graham preach. It's full of the word. I'm feeling like Billy Graham this morning. I'm getting my 70 scriptures in. Romans 12, look at this, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Do not avenge yourselves. That's a good lesson. Don't get even. Let mom get even. Amen. Amen. Don't get even, let mom get even. No, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For why? It is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. Amen. Somebody does you wrong, what do you do? Go talk to your defender. Don't try to to return evil for evil. Don't try to to fight flesh with, with more flesh. When you're in a situation that needs your defense or that needs you to be defended, who do you go to? Go to the Lord. He's your defender. He'll fight your battles for you. Amen? I remember when I was a kid, y'all don't mind that I'm telling stories this morning, do you? No? Okay, good. Just making sure. I, um, <laughs> when I was a kid, if you've ever seen my daughter Abigail, she's a shrimp. Sophia is too, for that matter. I was a shrimp when I was a kid. I know it's hard to believe because I'm overweight, but... I was a shrimp as a kid. I was not 
big and strong, but I was very fast. And I used to get picked on, especially around grades four, five, six, right in there. And um, I was going to school, and I was getting picked on one time by this guy named Chris Saratori. And that's how you know that I'm from New York, is I went to school with a guy named Chris Saratori. Um, Chris, if you're watching, give your life to Christ so God can cleanse you of your wickedness. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I just felt the anointing all over that. Amen. Chris, if you're watching, I'm coming for you, buddy. No, I, I, Chris, Chris was, he was just a bully and I was just a shrimp. So it was an easy match. You know what I'm saying? And, and he, he made me, I, I don't know what, what all he did. I don't remember now, but I came home crying a number of times enough for my mom to go to the school and catch Chris in between classes or something, she got that kid alone in the gym and made him cry. She totally did. It's awesome. Mom is your best defender, and so is the Spirit of God. Let, the devil, let God make the devil cry for you. Next time people are arrayed against you, Next time you're in a situation where you have a choice, hey, do I retaliate or do I hit my knees? Just hit your knees every time. Just hit your knees every time. Let God fight the battle because you can't beat flesh with more flesh. You don't stop a fire by throwing more gas on it. Hello? No, you let the Spirit of God fight your battles because he's your defender. Amen? Hallelujah. And then number five. Number one was he's a comforter. Number two an encourager. Number three, he's a helper. Number four, he's a defender. And mom is all of those things as well. Number five, sacrifice. Our sacrifice. How many mothers would absolutely sacrifice themselves for their kids? Come on. What kind of love? The Bible says there is no greater love than a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love in this world than a sacrificial love, a love that's willing to put itself in the place of harm to take you out of the place of harm. I'm here to tell you that's what your mom does every day. When you were a kid, that's what your mom would willing, would, was willing to do every single day. She'd take a bullet for you. She'd jump in front of a bus for you. She'd go make a bully cry in the gym for you. She didn't care what it was going to cost her. She didn't care if she would be labeled as that mom. She said, my kid's not going to come home crying another day. Hello. I'm being very vulnerable, by the way, telling you about my tears as a child. (laughs) I just want you to know that. (laughs) This is a transparent moment. I've cried during a movie, and I've cried in the gym both both times in this one sermon. (laughs) Pastor Josh is going to go to therapy after this. (laughs) <laughs> no, praise God. Mom's a sacrifice. She didn't care what it would cost her. She didn't care like what it would look like or how she would be perceived. She went into a situation that she knew she had to fix, and she didn't care what it would cost her. And you know who else didn't care what it would cost him? Jesus. The Bible says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, and he thought little of the shame. Let's do, let's, that's not in my notes, but let's go there. Romans, or excuse me, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, this is super good. This is where we'll end today. Hebrews chapter 12. So powerful. 
We'll begin reading in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's just good advice, amen? Watch this. How do, we, how do we run our race? How do we live our life? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross. The cross was not a happy moment for Jesus. The cross was not a, I mean, there was joy on the other side of it, and Jesus saw that joy. He saw you. He saw me. He saw us serving him and being a part of his family. He saw us being rescued out of sin. He saw us, and we were the joy that was set before him. And it was so joyful to him that he knew that if I accomplish this task of going to the cross, there are going to be millions and even billions of others who come after me that are now no longer stuck in sin, but they're my sons and my daughters and they're part of my family. Come on. Jesus was able to see through what it would cost him. And he went to the cross. And the Bible says, watch this, it says that he despised the shame. That's a a really interesting word, despising the shame. See, that's not a word that we really use very accurately. When you say you despise something, what are you saying? You're saying you hate it, right? Oh, I despise sour cream. I actually do. I hate sour cream. Hallelujah. (laughs) But we use the word despise differently than the scriptures do. You see, when the scriptures use the word despise, what they are saying is to think little of something or to marginalize something. This is a message that I wish that a million people in the the millennial generation could get a hold of, that you and I have got to, to learn to trust Jesus to the point that we minimize and minimalize and marginalize our own shame. Because we got too many people in this culture today walking around full of shame, full of anxiety, full of fear. Whatever the devil puts on you, whatever he attempts to do in your life, you have the authority to marginalize that. You have the authority to put your foot down and say, you know what? That's not how it works in this house. Amen. That's a little side note. But Jesus, Jesus marginalized and minimized and counted as little the shame. He knew that it was going to cost him preciously. He knew that it was going to cost him everything that he had. He knew by coming to this world that he was going to leave heaven and enter into a human body and live in that human body for eternity. Do you realize the cost? Think about this. The Bible says that Jesus was the word of God made flesh. He existed for eternity as the word of God. Ethereal and boundless and and matchless and infinite. Jesus traded in his boundlessness and his infiniteness to come into the form of a human being and take on that form for the rest of eternity. 
Jesus isn't going to go back. Jesus is not going to leave his body. He's not going to go back to being the infinite word of God. He's going to be the word made flesh forever. Do you know the nails that they pierced him with and the scars that he carries in his body? He'll have those scars for eternity. That is sacrifice. That is sacrifice. Amen. You, you, listen, you and I are not going to get to heaven and go see Jesus and he's going to have, you know, heavenly plastic surgery and the, the nail scars are going to be gone. No, what, what happened when he saw Thomas? After he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven and he came back to the disciples, what did he do? He said, no, Thomas, put your fingers in the nail prints. Put your hand in my side. Jesus' fingerprint, the, the, the nail prints are always going to be there. That's sacrifice. He traded, Colossians says, he traded in the dignity of being eternally God so that he could come in the form of a human being and take on our sins. Nobody sacrifices for you like mom except for Jesus. Come on, I know we're here to celebrate moms, but in the process of celebrating our moms and being thankful for our mothers, we also have to look and turn our attention, like Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He he endured the cross. He marginalized the shame. He knew it was going to be shameful. He said, I don't care. I'm not going to let that weigh my decision. I'm not going to let that influence what I do. I'm going to the cross for these people. And better yet, I'm going, to the, I'm going through the cross into the tomb. And better yet, I'm coming out of the tomb and I'm ascending back to the throne. The joy that was set before him was that he would retake the throne of, of heaven and he would bring all of us with him. What joy. Isn't that amazing? I don't, I don't, know, I don't know why, bro, but we sometimes forget the sacrifice. We sometimes forget the weight of the sacrifice of Jesus. He died for us. And he rose for us. And he lifts triumphantly for us. One last scripture. I'll quote it to you. And then we're going to ask all the moms to stand. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. What does that mean? It means that Jesus lives forever, and as long as he's alive, he's going to be making up the difference and interceding for us. As long as Jesus is alive, there's hope for you. Amen? As long as Jesus is living, there's hope for your security and your salvation. Amen? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.